Well, that's sex. Like money missing, y'all playing oh, dope no. fiend games. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is y'all doing? Not like, dope. <laughs> hold on. Did you say dope fiend games? Dope I'm from Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, first and foremost, let me do an intro. All right, so we're back at it for another one. It's the First Fridays podcast with your girl, Ali Dunn. And we have a special guest in the room with us today. It's Whole Live. <laughs> Can I say that? I might edit it out. I might edit it out for the Saints. I might edit it. <laughs> there is post-production, okay? So the Saints might not hear that part. All right. <laughs> I wanted to have you on the podcast because I met you on Clubhouse and you've been so supportive and with such an open heart. And it's rare to find that in the music industry, first and foremost. So I just want to commend you for just having a good, caring, kind, open heart, first and foremost. And then also, I bought your album, Independently, Direct Sale. And I want to ask you about that because artists have so many different ways to get their music out there, whether you have a direct plug or connection with a DJ or somebody at a radio station, or you can put your music out on the streaming services. Now, you were selling your album direct to the listener. So what is it like to sell and distribute a digital album independently, direct to listener? It was encouraging. I completely cut out the middleman when it comes to distributing music and although I didn't have all of the answers I felt like I had the most important answer and that was how to make money doing what it is that I love to do and it was kind of like just an eye-opener for me and I'm just hella encouraging and it kind of made me poke my chest out a little bit I I would advise people to um, even if they don't do it for their entire uh, career but definitely to um especially if you're a new artist, to build your um, fan base brick by brick that way. Um, people that's willing to um, buy what you have directly like that are people that you probably should cling to. And um, a lot of people, when they start out in their careers and they talk about um, they talk about how um, the support that they get, and they make complaints about, well, my family, they don't do this because they always the last people that support you, right? Um, people don't do this. Well, this is a perfect way to find out who really rock with you that's you know true what I'm saying? if they willing to to buy it from you directly then you know like that you can build with them people and if people can focus on something small as the first hundred people that supported you and build off of that you, know, you started with a foundation right there with that first hundred people um, so that's how i kind of looked at it so how would you break down? How would you break down the steps? Like, say it's a, it's a brand new artist. They want to put their music out there. Maybe they're thinking about streaming services so that they can get their music on Apple Music, Tidal, Spotify, the whole nine. But what if they're like, you know what? They're just gonna give me point zero zero five six cents for my streams, and I want to just sell my album directly. I want people to come to my website and download it, or get their email address so I can send them a direct download. Like what are the steps if someone actually wanted to set up a, their own independent distribution where they can set up a direct download or a direct send to their fan? Well, definitely. I think that website is probably the one of the key factors in um, being able to sell anything, whether it's um, music or any other product that you make. I think a website in this age and time is it's needed like you need a website but when i first started selling my stuff independently especially like after like cds and all that type of stuff died i know still people that still hustling cds or whatever but i had cds at one point and Mm -hmm. then i started noticing that the whole cd era was dying 
Right. And I was trying to figure out what the hell was next. Cause I feel like they killed the CD era so that people wouldn't be able to be so independent. I feel like that was purposely done. Wow. Um, That's a hot take. It. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> think about that. But I feel like they killed that um, um, so that people wouldn't be able to be so independent. They would have to depend on some big, like you were saying, Apple, Spotify, whatever. All these other giants that kind of took over the music um, market. Right. And I was saying, well, damn, how can I be able to sell my music without having to go through like them and they get a piece of like they wasn't in the studio with me. You know what right. I'm saying? They wasn't they ain't make the beat. They ain't, they wasn't with me shooting in the gym. Right? right. But they taking the biggest cut out of the pot. Like how? How is this happening? How did they get to take so much and they was they don't even know you know what I'm saying? Like how? Yeah. So I'm like, F that, right? Right. I'm like, um, how can I finesse so my the way that I learned how to finesse after the CD thing died and how I actually started was I did it through email. Mm. Now, how did I do it through email? Um, I would have shows, so I was booked and busy, you know, the normal thing or whatever. And after my shows, I would say, make some noise, y'all want a copy of my music. Mm-hmm. And people would make noise like, we love you, you know, they love my stuff. Well, if you want a, a copy of my music, you want to buy my music, my music costs $20. And I will come around the room or you can meet me in the back by my table where you can meet and greet where I'm signing, you know, autographs or whatever. And if you want to buy a copy, I will email you the copy and you can pay me directly. So I completely cut everybody out of the middle and own all of my 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 music. I write all of my own music. I buy my own beats and whatever it is that I need so I don't owe anybody anything. So that's kind of the advice that I would give. If you want to be able to just um, sell it and you don't have to pay anybody anything or make sure you pay for your stuff up front so you can sell it for th- forever after that, actually. You know what I'm saying? Because you own everything. I sold it through email and any other way that people wanted to, you know, receive my music. I would have it on little, um, little zip drives, little jump drives, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. would have it on those so that you can just kind of plug it into your... Um, laptop so you were selling so you were selling zip drives i was selling zip drives i was selling emails with all my music attached in the email so you could download it right to your your phone if you had android at least or you could play it right from the email off of your phone and yeah that's how i kind (laughs) of got that thing cracking well that's important because i went to a music seminar a few years back so this was cds were still kind of in play for some individuals who have cars with cds they might have older electronic equipment they're still playing cds so Uh so one thing i noticed in that seminar is there were individuals who were visiting that had so many questions about distributing their music and how to burn it on a cd and so i think this is so important for those who don't know, CDs are pretty much dead only because there's not too many places where someone could actually insert a CD and play it nowadays. So this is important for the saints to know that if you hand somebody a CD and you want them to listen to your demo, shout out to my new song, listen to my demo. Uh, if you want some, if you want some, it's available on all streaming platforms right now. Ali Dan. Okay, so if somebody wanted to make their first album, their first project or a demo and they want to sell it or hand it to someone or you come across maybe an influencer or a music executive, they have limited space to be able to put that CD. They can't put it in their computer. There's no CD drive on their computer. 
if they have a newer car, there's no CD drive in their car. So there's really nowhere they're going to be able to play it. So it's important to make that transition to the digital age. Now, I know there are certain individuals of a generation that are just afraid of technology. So that is a real thing. So that's something that we do have to acknowledge. Yes, still got the eight track (laughs) and they deuce in the quarter. You know, but it's important. So if if that's if that's you, where maybe you're not technology savvy, you got to go and get some help. Ask your grandkids. You can even go like my parents even went to Verizon to go ask for help. To my mom signed up for a class to figure out how to use her phone. They teach a class right there in the mobile service provider. They'll teach you a little bit more about technology. So that is important. It's not something that you can ignore at this point in time, especially if you're an artist, you're an older artist. The technology generation is a little bit out of reach for you. Get whatever support you can. Ask whoever you can to make sure that you can make that transition to either get emails where you can send direct downloads to your fans and listeners or put it on that zip drive, that thumb drive and sell the thumb drive. Got to zip it. Okay, so what's the best way to promote or do an album rollout? The best way to promote? Yeah. Um, I would still say social media. Um, social media is just spread like wildfire if it's the right promotion and the right, um, you know, you're doing the right thing that kind of just splashes in the atmosphere and makes a, a ripple. Um, but I, I definitely would say social media. And I definitely would say that people should have some type of budget to make it make sense. Or if you don't even have a budget, let's say you have next to nothing, then your game plan for promotion, it has to be full of all types of creativity. Then. And and um, I think that that can be more effective than just spending money, to be honest. Um, your creativity can, can blow you way past, sometimes blow you way past what money can be able to do for you. It just depends on what you got going on and what you, what the product is. But I believe that depending on the artist, or at least for most artists, social media probably will be the best way to get your stuff out of there. And even if you don't have like a, a social media page that has like a lot of followers and all of that type of stuff, that could still be an awesome way to use your money. If you have a little budget, you can be able to pay 50 dollars to people who do have a lot of followers and get them to share your content and you know so on and so forth so um i know a few people who went that route where they would pay like um to promote their single they would pay people who had a lot of followers or whatever it's women they would have them dance to their video or whatever it is tiktok is also a good way as well people come up with little dances and stuff to your music you pay somebody that's good at coming up with that type of stuff and that has a following and is known for coming up with that type of stuff, you pay them to do it. Well, guess what? You might wake up in the morning the next day and your song is viral. Your song viral, then what? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's checks. Like, what else can anybody say to you, really? I, was, I believe that social media is bigger than TV now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like how TV ain't the same no more. Everybody's TV is now on their phone. Nobody got to rush home and sit at the dinner table with their family no more over dinner and watch the TV set. No, you can... Matter of fact, me personally, I don't know about y'all, but I can have the TV on in my house, and guess what? I'm still on my phone. Like, I look at my phone way more than anything else. Um, So I would say 
that a person's best bet would be to do things that you can watch on the phone to promote your stuff. So that's why I say so. That's why I kind of stick with social media so hard. So, um, so I would say social media. So in terms of social media and rolling out an album and promoting, so what platforms should someone use? Should they use a platform? Because I've heard it different ways where some say, okay, wherever you have the most followers, just focus on that platform so you're not spreading yourself too thin. Some will say, okay, use all the platforms or use two platforms or more than one platform. So what do you recommend if someone, because it can be a lot, especially if you're an independent artist, like you're writing your songs, you're recording your songs, you're shopping for beats, you're booking studio time. I mean, you're, you're doing a lot. Then plus you got to do your copyrights. You got to do all kinds of extra stuff. So, so you can end up spreading yourself so thin trying to be involved on all the social media platforms to promote your music. So what do you recommend as far as which social media platform someone should use? It depends on the person. I know people do it multiple different ways. So I know um, one person who believes the original thing that you said about just focusing on one platform. And then I got somebody else who's successful who he do it on his. He don't care what platform it is. He going to go. Again, it's a job. Yeah. Some people can be able to work two jobs and be able to be successful at it. Some people can just work one job. Some people out here got three jobs, and they've been working three jobs forever. Mm -hmm. So it was just, I would say it just depends on the person and a person knowing what type of person they are, what type of free time they have, and how much dedication that they're actually even going to be prepared to dedicate to being able to make sure that it's going to be a success and not just, you know, not just doing it just because it's there, I guess. And I would say that a person that could do it on all platforms would be closer to genius status, and that's all they do. The one who does it on all platforms is all he does. He don't have no other obligations and, you know, him working nine to five, all he does is social media and then that transfers over into real life where he's a comedian and so on and so forth. Well, I do like your idea too about as far as the marketing piece is being able to reach out to influencers or mm -hmm. certain individuals who have a lot of followers, reaching out to them, paying them to market for you. Mm -hmm. And that's just a way of, a different way of going about it to where you're kind of streamlining some of the some of the tasks that you have to do that way you're not like so burdened with so many tasks as an independent and, artist you and know you're creating just, um business relationships with people who are known business you, relationships you know yeah, yeah. affiliation now. and you're employing someone too i mean you're paying yep. someone to do a job for you so yep. that's a tax write-off as well benefits Okay, so I want to talk about networking because this is so important. If you are going to market and you want to reach out to influencers, like what's the best way to just slide in their DMs and just offer them the proposition? And keeping in mind, too, if you're reaching out to someone that has like a ton of followers, like what is the likelihood that they're even going to look at your DM when they're going to look at it? So how do you network and proposition someone to market your music? Well, that's simple for me, at least. From my experience, following the right people and seeing the right people's page, they'll post on their page themselves and say, I'm doing $50 promos, $70 promos, or whatever. I think the biggest thing for people to realize is some of these people who have these major platforms, they don't have major business going on. All right, so they have all the time in the world to check them DMs to see who's trying to pay them because it's that's a part of um, monetizing your your platform in the first place. So they are looking; they just might not be looking for these people that's just trying to holler at them and get a you know what I'm saying and, and yeah. flirt and stuff. But if you talk about money, trust me, they, they see it. that 
that method because yeah. that's how they get paid. That's how they yeah. take care of themselves and so on and so forth. It's the illusion that, oh, they got a million followers. They rich. No, they not. They are regular. I, I got friends that were regular schmegglers with millions of followers and they still had their, their nine to fives going on. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and until they learned how to monetize that page, they still had to work that nine to five. So that's still even a learning, you know, a learning process by itself like just learn how to make money after you get a lot of followers and you know so so forth but most social media influencers they do paid promotions so just gravitate towards the ones that do the paid promotions it might not be jay-z and beyonce you know what i'm saying but you know stay in your lane (laughs) some people be trying to reach to drake drake don't need no damn social media check you know what i mean you gotta go to the people who's not known for stuff outside of social media try to go to the ones who's known for social media because they, they're trying to figure out ways to make money from social media, not Drake. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, that's true. But, hey, I'm not afraid to shoot my shot. I'm going to be like, yeah, because when I, <laughs> cause you know what? I'm not going to lie. I did reach out to Will Smith to see if he wanted to be a guest on the First Friday's podcast. So I'm like, okay, let's see. He might come through one of these days. Okay, I feel like, you know, we have something special that we could do. Now, that's, that's different, though. I'm just talking about plainly <laughs> just for... Um, to pay somebody for a paid promotion. Right. If, if you could pay, think about that. If Will Smith posts you, you don't need nobody else to post you. Right. That, you only need that one. I don't know how much that's worth to some people, but that's life-changing, so it's probably worth, you know what I'm saying, it's priceless. That's different than, you know, getting, I don't know, I can't even think of a... <laughs> priceless. Getting a whole lot of nigga to, right. to post it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll post it, but I'm going to charge you like $100, but I'm going to post it. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Okay, so that is important. So you can't be intimidated by somebody who has like a ton of followers. They are, chances are, they don't necessarily know how to monetize their followers yet. And they are looking for opportunities to make money. So don't be afraid to shoot your shot and go after someone, slide in their DMs and tell them, hey, can you post this? Can, or can you wear this? Even if it's some merchandise, can you wear this? And I'll give you a certain amount of money if I send this to you. Yeah, that's that's a good point because I do know somebody has like a ton of followers, but they're they're constantly telling me about the struggles that they're having to get customers and make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's really it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, some people think that yeah, you go viral and everybody follow you, and that's it. It's just no, it's not. It's not yeah. that simple. You still have to have a plan at all times, and sometimes it takes time to come up with your plan sometimes you can get those followers and your page blow up and you don't necessarily have your plan all the way together sometimes because sometimes you go viral and you wasn't expecting it so it's just you just never know right yeah so so at the end of the day you you have to understand that well how i look at it that's what i was saying because I'm not like, um, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a consistent, like when I need to take my breaks, I take my breaks. I personally take my damn Like now you need to drop a song every three months. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but, and I think the breaks are very important because people can get tired of you. Right. But you can't take too long of a break because then people will forget you. Right. Is forgetting a good thing? I don't know. It depends on, you know, how people look at it. Um, but when it comes to social media, I think that if you have a different, like one of my homies, he got like, he, he, he'll take a break and then he'll come back with a different way that he gonna, 
or post a social media thing and be funny on social media and a whole different type of sketch or whatever. So sometimes you got to go back to the drawing board, come up with a whole new plan, and then try it out on social media again. And then after it don't work, you know, you go back to the drawing board. It's like you fall and you get back up. You fall and you get back up. Some stuff get old. You got to recreate yourself again. It's with anything. That's true. And you got to be persistent, too. And I think knowing why you're doing this can kind of help drive you forward, especially when things get kind of tough. So uh-huh. so can you talk about that inspiration or that foundation of how you keep on moving forward when times get hard? Maybe you're not getting the deals, you're not getting the followers, you're not getting the fans, the listeners that you're expecting. And you've been going at this for a long time. You you appreciate your music. You're putting your blood, sweat and tears into it or you're bearing your soul in your music. And maybe things just aren't picking up for you. So, like, how do you stay inspired to keep on moving forward? Oh, uh, for me, staying inspired, I would say just my background and my life and how I came up is what kind of keeps me inspired seeing people who felt they had no hopes and dreams keep me inspired seeing people that gave up to go and do nothing keeps me inspired um it's many things that i think about all the time like how i started and where i am now and i think about how many people started when i started and where they are now what they're doing just with their life now and they might as well have kept following their dreams and doing what it was that they loved all right for me it's not necessarily about not about like the fortune and fame and all of that type of stuff it's about living a life where i feel fulfilled and happy when i wake up in the morning happy when i go to sleep at night all right when i think about like what inspires me to keep doing what I love and what I believe I'm supposed to be doing. I think about my children and the message that I would give my children, the message that I got from older people when I was a kid to never give up on your dreams. But it seems like when you grow up, everybody give up on their dreams and they throw that whole little saying away, except for when they're talking to kids. So it may at one point just, going through that in my mind it made me think like is this was that one of those santa claus type of things where y'all was just saying something to the you know what I'm saying, to yeah. the kids but you ain't really believe that like, <laughs> yeah, like is that like the santa claus the, no, <laughs> because i really believe that never give up on your your dreams that doesn't mean that you starve in all the other aspects of life but what you love and what you and what you believe that makes you happy is what you do who you are you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're a teacher, so what? They don't really pay that much as a teacher. But since you was a kid, you wanted to be a teacher and help people learn and help children and whatever. It shouldn't matter how much they pay. As long as you can take yourself, you you got your what you need in life. You don't have to. You know what I'm saying? Everybody can't be a brain surgeon. We don't need that many brain, brain surgeons. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying we don't need more right now. I'm just saying everybody <laughs> don't need to be a brain surgeon. We can't have everybody going for... And I, I don't know. I, I know that my opinion ain't the, the popular opinion, but as far as what inspires me, it's just me following what I said I would do with my life from day one. What people told me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I create the world that I live in. Nobody else is in control of my life. I determine whether or not I'm successful. Not anybody else in this world, in this life. Nobody got that much power over me. You can't look at me and tell me that I'm 
not successful or that I am successful or whatever. It's only how I feel and what I think. So when I think about um, inspiration and what keeps me going, I think I was just born to do this. I'm just doing what I love. I'm just being myself. So I don't really even need to be, quote unquote, inspired because guess what? Me doing what I'm doing right now is as simple as me blinking my eyes and breathing. Yes, that's a key point that you made when it comes to finding your purpose, because there's something that we all have. Whatever your talent is, is unique to you. And it's something that you can do easier than anybody else. It's like it's like air. It's like breathing. You know what what you're doing musically and what you're doing, even connecting with the public. It might be difficult for someone else to do it. But for you, it comes so naturally. So we all have something like that. Something so I would encourage anyone who's in the room to just think about whatever it is you do that seems to come so easy to you that other people might struggle with that does link to what your purpose is. And I think that is key that you said that, especially when times get really tough and you're trying to push forward towards your goal and people are telling you don't give up on your dream. But it's like, yo, but I got to eat, though. Like, I got other stuff to do. Like, I got bills to pay. I got mouths to feed. I got to keep a roof over my head. Like, I don't have time for my dreams. You know what I mean? It's like, I got to put food on the table. So this dream got to go on the back burner, but that's just called making adjustments. You got to adjust. You got to adjust. Like you don't necessarily have to give up on your dream and turn your back on it. And then now you're one of those older people going back to the kids. Like don't give up on your dreams, kids. It's like, you can still do it. And it's just about making those modifications. I was you doing... know, when I, hmm. when I think about older people that say that, I, I always see them from a perspective of the reason that they are telling me that because of all the regrets that they right. have. That's why they tell us that. That's why they say never, when you hear those older people say, never give up on your dreams. Like, they was chasing money their whole life. And at the end of the day, guess what? You can't even take it with you. What is your legacy going to be, though? Mm, you know? Legacy. Like, what, what can, aside from money, I'm not saying money ain't awesome. Money is great. Right. <laughs> so I don't want anybody <laughs> to get that twisted, right? <laughs> money is awesome. We need right? that. You do, yeah, you can do great things for the people you love and care about with money. That's great. But aside from money, what else can you leave? And I'm talking about as far as the music industry and how I, what inspires me. I think to myself, what else can I leave? Because at the end of the day, TLC broke. And they was one of the biggest groups in the world. And we right. know why, but it's not always guaranteed that you're going to end up being a billionaire after your music career is over or whatever, right? Yeah. It's not always guaranteed. So what else can you leave on this earth for for people to know who you were, what you were about, what you did? And what is another thing that inspires me is me being able to, I want my grandkids, my great-grandkids, great-great-great-grandkids to be able to look back and say, look at my great-great-grandfather, he was getting it, you know what I'm saying, like, I want them to see, yes, he was getting it, and he ain't have nobody, like, you know what I'm saying, he did, yeah. it, by his, he did it on his own, yeah. and maybe that will inspire them to do what I did, plus more. Like, I look at it like the NBA. When they first started playing basketball, niggas wasn't putting it through their legs and dunking 360s and dunking the... You know what I'm saying? They was doing the standard, the basic. So if what I'm doing is the standard, the basic, then my kid's going to be LeBron James in his music. My great-grandkid's going to be the go-go-go-go-goats. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's how I'm looking at it and how... I, like, I, I just want to leave just 
my energy and be able to part this world knowing that I left a nice chunk of what great granddaddy's life was all about and what he did and what he believed in. That's why I started making compared to my old stuff when I was younger, when I was a kid, I was making I started making stuff that mattered to me. Like I got a song called It's Complicated. I'm not sure if you heard it before, but it's I wanted to make more music that mattered. Yeah, I still got my fun music, but I also got my music that I feel like it's going to change people's life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it speaks to somebody's soul. It inspires. So, maybe that's it. Maybe my job, my purpose, is to inspire other people. And that keeps me inspired. That be another thing. I don't know. I'll leave it there again. <laughs> I love it. The inspiration to inspire. And this is actually a good time to take a music break so we can get into it. It's complicated. And it's by Whole Lot featuring Tay Wilson. So keep it locked right here. You're listening to the First Fridays podcast at thegodcollection.com. I usually don't really be trying to really talk. But for real, I I mean, everybody got opinions for real. Nobody don't really. Yeah. You feel me? Like a neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. Can't nobody fuck with me on the planet. Fuck you, me. I feel like a throwback jigger. Uh, before him and Dame end up losing balance, it's the rock. <laughs> I feel like Master P.
explain. Uh, Take Rosen in the building. Hold up, hold up. It's complicated. I ain't gonna lie. I need some me time. Talking about I'm always busy out. On my free time, sipping like I'm comfortable. My seated being reclined. They looking at the color of my skin and thought I'd decline. Surrounded by the killing and poverty, like it chose us. Froze up, beating the system. That's when we rose up. I'm gonna bring that pain to him. Spit it how I wanna spit it. Judge gave that book to him. Gave that boy another sentence. Feeling like I'm jiggle. I'm feeling like I'm ditty. Kind of fat, but I got swag. Got me feeling like I'm biggie. Just that soul playing. Just that feeling of when your granny cooking. You know it's nothing like that old. School granny whooping girls having babies at 12, catching cases at 12, and now she feel like she's been burning in hell. Hold up, eighth graders killing each other. That shit is crazy. Maybe that's the reason she's 12 and had a baby. It's complicated. Tell you how I You're listening to the First Fridays Podcast at thegodcollection.com with your host, Ali Don. And we're here with whole lot. You just heard his song. It's Complicated featuring Tay Wilson. Now, I want to get into some music visuals. Making music videos, for example, because I know there's a lot that goes into it. So, for example, you got to have choreography. Because I've seen how you do it. I saw how you give it up in your videos. You got a killer wardrobe. But there's also more behind it, like there's storyboarding, directors, you need the setting, the theme, you know, everything. So what is your process for shooting a music video? Wow, you got the good questions today. <laughs> so I feel like, well, for me, at least in my situation, when I first started doing music, I didn't have, I mean, I, I literally didn't have any support. So basically I had to learn everything myself. I had to learn how to record myself. I had to learn how to shoot videos. I had to learn how to edit videos. Um, I had to learn how to write treatments. Choreography. I'm happy you brought that up. All the choreography that you see, ever seen, anybody do any research on me and see me dancing, and they, I got background dances and all that, I uh, took all the choreography and came up with it myself. Literally, anything that I wanted to do, and I couldn't find somebody to assist me who were the quote-unquote expert or whatever, and they didn't help me. Guess what? I just did it myself. Major key. So, yes. And that's been one of the biggest things that I can say has helped me throughout my career is not being afraid to just do it myself and see how it come out at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to shooting the last music video that I shot um, or the last music video that I that I, yeah, I guess I, that you could say I shot it. Um, I paid my cameraman. Um, I wrote the treatment. He edited it. So he edited it based off of my treatment. So that's kind of, it just depends on what what needs to, what I need. If I don't need any assistance, because um, uh, people are, you know, helping out and doing whatever, or I paid this person and that person or whatever, then that's one thing. Um, if I don't have anybody to help me, I will just do it myself. So it just depends on what the you know the project needs. Actually, aside from that, just never be. Uh, my advice to that is never be afraid to do it yourself. At the end of the day, if you can though, hire people to you put the treatment together and hire like some people pay for treatments, um, pay people to write treatments. Some people have bought treatments from me. It just depends on what the situation is. But for me, I write my own treatment. If I have a song and I pick my song, whatever the single is, the first thing that I'm going to already do 
is write the treatment because I already know I know how to write it myself. Now break down, and, break down what's in that treatment. What does it look like? What are the portions, the parts, the sections? Oh, so it would depend on um the, the song for me. The last song I do with the complicated song. With that song, I wrote the treatment after I did the song. I um, recorded the song. Usually that's how it works. Like I'll I'll be writing, and then after I get finished writing the song, I already see what I want the video to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I already know what I want to do. So, um, I wrote the treatment out, and then I just chopped my treatment to a few um, videographers to see if they could make it happen. The ones that responded back the quickest and seemed the more interested was the one that I gravitated towards. Because I'm not about to beg and plead and, you know, do any of that. Because what's meant to be is what's meant to be. You shouldn't have, it shouldn't be a tug of war to work with anybody. You know what I'm saying? Anytime it's a tug of war, to me, that's a red flag, and God don't want me to work with this person. This is the wrong thing. Some people try to force that that situation. I don't force anything. I work with who want to work with me. So, as far as the treatment is concerned, um, I usually go off of like what the words is and what type of vibe the music puts me in, what type of atmosphere the music puts me in. And maybe it starts off with, with fashion, like what do I see myself wearing if I was doing this type of you know what I'm saying? This type of music video. But it's like, okay, if I am wearing that, well, where am I? What kind of car was I driving? You know what I'm saying? It kind of it goes like that. And then I just kind of piece it together and do what I feel makes sense to me in my head. Well, that's a good process, you know, especially just being creative. I can't believe that you were shooting your own music videos. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. You'd be that's surprised some of the stuff I had to do. Imagine recording yourself. Right. Like, and you got to run it. <laughs> <laughs> Run back and forth like I got to leave out the booth, walk all the way back around the corner to go type on the thing, and I got to run all the way back before it's the time for me. Like right, I got the visuals I, in my mind. Like, what yeah, does that look like when so you're shooting stuff. your own video, getting different <laughs> angles? Yeah, so I don't know. It's just um, it's just uh, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when it's your purpose, nobody can stop you. You you gonna do it? You gonna get there? You gonna get to what you want, and you gonna do what you have to do at the end of the day. Okay, so you said that you only reach out to the people and work with the people who want to work with you. And then I've also heard artists like DJ Khaled, for example, when he was trying to record Wild Thoughts with Rihanna and Bryson Tiller. He said he had to keep on calling them, especially Rihanna. He had to keep on content over and over like, yo, we got to get this done. I got this beat this hot. Like, so where do you draw the line between being persistent to get what you need to get done or just chalking it up like an L? Like, okay, this person is just not getting back to me. I need to move on. I think that with the DJ Khaled and Rihanna situation, I think that's completely different than um, if we're talking about me. I'm going to call Rihanna. You think about that. Think about DJ Khaled's position. He said, I got to keep calling her. You calling Rihanna, though. Like, right. you got Rihanna's number. That's different. Right. That's like more of a, that's a, 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 a guaranteed play that you know is going to be successful if it come out. Okay. That's different. Versus... But it's like Joe Schmo from up the block who's got a video yeah, camera. Like you, He's yeah, giving you the runaround. Like, Chad, what you doing? Like, I'm not about to do Joe Smo up the block. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, like, what are you doing? Some people, sometimes people's, sometimes people's, I don't know if it's ego or, or what. Maybe Joe Smo is just going through something personally. And that's true. Whatever it is. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, whatever it is, I, no hard feelings, but moving on. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. that's why I, I guess I kind of, if it's just Joe Smo, I'm going to draw the line at Joe Smo or Jane Smo, whatever, whoever it was. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing happens like with um, like, sometimes when you're trying to book like uh, models and that type of thing yeah. people change their mind like like a light switch 
Like, they will tell, like, I've had people say yes, and I'll be there at five and everything. I sent her the money, and she don't show up. Oh, gosh. You got paid in advance. I still yeah. never saw, I never got that money back, never saw her again. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you obviously need that little money. It's all good. I ain't tripping about it. You yeah. know what I mean? But I learned a lesson. You're not getting no money up front. Maybe I'll give it to you when you arrive. Exactly. I, <laughs> I sent it to you. You know what I'm saying? It was me just trying to. I try to be fast forward and say, look, I'll give you your money up front. You know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. Women go through a lot these days. So, you know what I mean? When you try to, like, accommodate that, sometimes people take advantage of you. And and hence why the game is the game that it is. Because it's people taking advantage of people on both sides, women yeah. and men. Cold you know game. I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of Instagram scammers out here too these days and Facts. different propositions for music artists to get them to spend some money. And, you know, it's always a risk whether the other person is going to come through and deliver what you're mm-hmm. expecting them to do. So, so. Uh, DMX DM me. RIP DMX. And said, um, for $500, he was going to put me on his mixtape. Dang, you ain't no damn DMX. Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of tough, you know. I mean, no DM me, DMX. Like, oh, yeah, it's not DMX. And the funny thing is, these was from their verified pages. See, well, okay. Okay, here's a hot take. Okay, so recently I did an interview. Shout out to Vivid Scientific, who got approached by on social media, and it really was, and wanted to get him on a mixtape. And it really was a mixtape. Now, it was a little bit unclear about how the mixtape was going to get rolled out. So apparently it's a compilation. So a lot of artists, legit artists that we know that we're fans of are doing this now. It's a way of them making an extra stream of income where they're reaching out to independent artists and saying, Hey, if you pay a certain amount of money, we'll put your song on our mixtape hosted by whoever the artist is. It's hosted by, but it's like one of those gumbo type of mixtapes where it's like 70 songs on the mixtape and your song is going to be on there you know so it's kind of like up to you whether do you do see value in going forward with that Mm -hmm. deal or not but a lot of them are are pretty legit well i ain't never seen this dmx mixtape ever come out (laughs) 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 this is like three years ago yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so it's important to use discernment because you know some of them are legit offers and some of them could be fakes so it's so tough doing online business especially yeah, I just wouldn't, I just don't, can't see myself doing it through somebody's DM on Instagram. Somebody just DM me. You better FaceTime me, DMX. Right. You know what I'm saying? Let me see what you, so that I know who I'm really mad at. Because I saw right. your face, I recorded you and everything. Recorded like, it. Yeah, like, don't act like you just found me. Oh, I came across this and you so dope and pay me $500. And, oh, no. That don't even, to me, that it's just certain things that just don't add up. Some things can be real, so I agree. It, with all these people talking about send me your cash app tag and <laughs> right. you know, I'm gonna send you ten thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Get your blood check now, crap! Like y'all not about to scam me out of my money. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's just too risky these days. And I feel like if it is somebody like that, especially since they know there's so many people out here catfishing and so on and so yes. forth, then send a video of yourself saying that you love my music <laughs> so much. Right? You know what I'm saying? It take two seconds. Send me a video of you saying you love my music so much and that you want me to do bl- whatever. Don't send me just no couple of, you know what I'm saying? Out of nowhere, I'm not going to, I'm personally not going to believe that. And I feel like if a person really wants me, me, then they'll just, you know what I'm saying? They'll call. They're not just going to send me a sentence in a DM when, it, when we know everybody could pretend to be Will Smith, LL Cool J or whoever. Like it's 
this is scamming season. <laughs> how do we fix it? How do we fix it? How do we fix the scamming? Yeah, like, everything's online. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I was praying, and I was fasting, and I was praying, asking God, you know, please give me some direction for a business move that I wanted to make. I was getting propositioned with different things, and I just wanted to make the right choice. And so there was one of the propositions kind of had like an online kind of portion to it and it sounded like a good deal i was going to these different meetings finding out more information and in my ear one day so clear i heard god say don't do online business and so ever since that day i just made sure i didn't do online business so when i tell you i got proposition so much for so many different kinds of online businesses it was easy for me to just say no to all of them and I'm glad that I had that direction because if I said yes to everything someone propositioned me with online like I'd be running around here with like a chicken with my head cut off and might be broke so it's like how like everything is online everything's on social networks and there's so much danger and uncertainty being online like how do we fix it anybody can fix it in my opinion is not falling for it. Stop thinking that a fairy tale is just going to happen. Somebody's going to dump a million dollars in your lap because you gave them $5. Or, you know what I'm saying? Some of these dumb scams <laughs> that they be coming up with. Like, that's really it. <laughs> You're not about to get a, a million dollars, $10,000 because you sent somebody your cash at me. Like, you not. <laughs> you so, yeah, discernment. You just can't fall for the tricks. Yeah, that's really oh at gosh. the end of the day. And everybody trying to find like an easy come up, an easy lick, an easy way to, you know what I'm saying? And although I'm looking for a, a better way, I know I'm not dumb enough to fall for that way. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just some stuff you just can't fall for. And people repeatedly kind of fall for it. So to, if anything, the way to, to get past that or to kill that is if people stop falling for it that really is somebody dm me two days ago and this the funny thing is they get people and they they dm they dm people that these people they take over your instagram page and then they dm people who's already been dming the person's page that you took if that makes sense like if you hack somebody's page anybody that was talking to that person's page that you hacked they're gonna dm them because they already have rapport with each other so I got people just hit me up like, oh, hold on, I got to, let me, I'm about to read you, the, I got the, the post, hold up, <laughs> I'm about to read you the daggone thing. And, and they really was like, planning this. <sighs> I play around with them too. I'd be like, okay, well, if you send me $5, I'll send you 200 right. like, <laughs> I'll turn it right back on them. We got to make it a, a unsuccessful business, that's all. <laughs> but <laughs> this guy... He hit me up. So it's somebody that I know and I had a, um, a, a conversation with. And um, he DMs me. It's not him, though. He got his page hat. He DMs me, ye, instead of yo. Supposed to say yo. And then I'm like, here. And he said, I need your help. Now, I don't know him like this. I only met him. I met him on Clubhouse. And I only talked to him one time. So for him to hit me up out of all the people that he should know in real life. Right, asking for help. He need, yeah, saying he need my help. I already knew it was no. <laughs> right? So he said, my cousin needs $50 for medicine. I was going to cash app my cousin, and my cash app is tripping. It says I need to update my card and can't get that done 
till tomorrow. Can you cash that my cousin fifty dollars and I'll send it back tomorrow? I love you. I love you. <laughs> yeah, that's All pretty right. awkward. He ended it with "I love you." <laughs> what? So I'm like, I, I just responded back like, "Why is everybody getting hacked? This is horrible. Y'all hackers are the worst. Are worse than the telemarketers." <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, he never responded. The person never responded back. So. I knew, you know what I mean? Like, I think if everybody just kind of giving this type of response to it, like, don't give nobody, don't send nobody no cash out because they DM'd you. Your mother is, that's not your mother. Call her. <laughs> hear it from her mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> hear it from these people's mouth. Until then, no, you're not getting no money. Like, video chat me then. Let me see what you, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are right. you talking about? No. So let me ask you, whole live. How important is it to you to support other artists and performers? Because I already knew that you just had such a big heart to encourage others to just join in your process, join in your conversation. If anybody had a a music goal that they wanted to meet, you'll do what you can to be there for them. So how did you get like that? And it's so rare to find somebody like that. So how do you have such a big heart to give, especially in an industry that everybody thinks is so shady? I think it came from how many times I was in the game and wishing that I had somebody to have my back or to give me some advice or so on and so forth. I come from the era where they normalized what happened to TLC and they normalized what happened to, you know, all these groups that got taken advantage of by management or by labels and so on and so forth. One thing that I always said was I would never, ever... If I could help it, I will guide people away from the board. I will give the best advice that I could give for anybody that was willing to hear it. Some people don't want to hear nothing I got to say. <laughs> because just just from, you know, what they feel. You know, some people get a, a feel of what they think you are before they even get to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they, they already got an idea of who they think you are before they get to know you. And, and it is what it is. You know, some people going to fall like that and, it just is what it is. So uh, this still an example of me just gravitating towards the people with me. And anybody with me will know that I'm not like, I'm not a bad person at all. And I'm definitely going to always make sure that I try my best to do what I feel is right. Whether you're black, white, woman, man, or whatever. Like if it's, if you're wrong, you're wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like that is, and when I can, when I move with that type of energy and not siding with somebody just because of, you know, some bullshit, you're wrong. Like, I only believe in good and evil. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe in all the other isms and all that other stuff that people be throwing in. No, it's good and evil. Simple. You know what I'm saying? That's how I look at it. And I want to gravitate towards people who are good. And all I can do is show you who I am, and if you take it for what it is, then that's that. If you don't, then that's your loss, because I know who I am. So, all I want to do is Treat people the way I want to be treated. Amen. And sometimes it don't work out like that. Yeah. And I have examples of that as well, where I've helped and did all types of awesome, introduced people to huge people, and they got on and said, F- me. You know what I'm saying? But Dang. karma is karma. Yeah. And I can't let that hold me down and stop me from being who I am or none of that. You don't have to do anything. I don't do stuff to get something in return. So it's okay. But I could feel a certain type of way like, damn, you really ain't even say thank you. 
Like, I got people that even say thank you. That Like, that when, when people ask them in interviews, how did you get here? And I'm literally the one who introduced you to the mother that put you on, and you don't even mention me. Like, you don't even give me a shout-out. It's cool, though. But you got to do what you feel in your heart and not let people change the goodness that's in you. And that's what happens so often. People's trauma and people's hurt and pain can change the goodness that's on the inside of them and make them just as evil as the people that they ran into that made them change to that. You know what I'm saying? And that's the biggest fight that I have with me is making sure that I don't let my trauma and any of the pain that I went through change the goodness that I have on the inside of me. It made me smarter, but the goodness is still there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that reminds me of one thing. Uh, Shout out Bishop Noel Jones in the city of Refuge, Gardena. California, he would say that I'm not going to stop being good. I'm just going to be good to somebody else. Right. Right. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah. It's like you don't want to lose somebody else. Yeah. It's like you don't want to lose that goodness inside of you and those gifts that you have. You don't want to be closed off as a reaction to how other people are treating you. But it is hard sometimes when you're just getting walked over and stepped on. But one thing that I also come to discover is that someone who gives always wins. A giver always wins. You know, if a taker, they might when initially they might get ahead real fast initially with what they took from you but their reputation always precedes them so pretty soon people are going to start to realize like that person that took from you and didn't show up to the gig that you booked for them you know they're gonna have a reputation and so it's, it's okay to kind of like spread the word around like okay this person stood me up they took my money and ran they didn't show up like this person like they're gonna start to have a reputation where those deals are gonna close down for them they're not gonna be able to continue in the same way screwing people over that's why they say payback right (laughs) right okay so i want to talk about program appeal because there are certain things that are appealing to individuals where you can help to grow your platform as an artist now one of the things i noticed that you do so well is to utilize social media including clubhouse to get new fans new followers and you stir up a lot of controversy sometimes with the topics that you come up with. And that's one of the program appeals, controversy sells. So there's actually four program appeals. So my background is in communications. Shout out Norfolk State University. So there's certain ways to appeal to individuals that's going to make them be interested in watching your program or listening. And so one of the program appeals is controversy. Another one is politics. Another one is sex, sex sales, and another one is celebrity. So those are the four program appeals. If you have any of those elements in a program or something that you're doing, someone's going to be interesting. So based on the topics that you've brought to Clubhouse or any of your social platforms, like what topics have the most public interest to you? The most public interest to me out of all the topics yeah. that I brought to Clubhouse. Oh, that's a hard one. Because I think a lot of them have to deal with controversy. It's usually a versus kind of room or whatever it may be. So what topics did you notice that people were most engaged, most interested? You had to bring it back the most amount of times because there was so much interest. The fullest room. What was it? What was the topic? Some of the biggest rooms that I had was black people ask white people hard questions. White people ask black people hard questions. And then those spent off into, I mean, to be completely honest with you, any of those type of rooms that you see on this platform is because I created them. They, they, and everybody started doing their own spinoffs. Yeah. So they came off. All that came from me. Yeah. So it started off with black people ask white people hard questions, white people ask black people hard questions. Then I did 
white women who date black men, ask white women who date black men hard questions, then ask black men who date white women. You know what I'm saying? I just did it in all the variations. That whole saga there Mm -hmm. was probably the biggest, one of the biggest ones. Like, all those conversations. um, Oh, my goodness, I forgot this one. I might have started the the diaspora war. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, how did you Not start? Not intentionally though, but I did. <laughs> how did you start ask, I did. Black people ask Africans hard questions. People was in there crying. It was like seven, eight hundred people in there. And some of the questions that were asked were one of the, okay, this is where it really got really. Not because none of my rooms are bad. Like they don't get, they, I'm not going to say they don't get violent, but I do a good job at moderating. But this is one of the moments where it got very emotional. People, multiple people started crying. The lady came off the microphone and asked the African lady, why after we got sold off into slavery, didn't the Africans come and save us? The, shut the whole room down. You know, nobody knew the answer to the damn question. Right? We wasn't alive. <laughs> but it, it was such a sincere, it really was a sincere question. Um, and it's one of those things that all we can do is just think about it, really. Like, did y'all know that people were getting kidnapped and so on and so forth? Yes, they knew. They knew that they were taking people. They knew that people were selling people. They knew that all of this was happening. Then the question drops, why didn't y'all ever send a rescue unit in 400 years? Wow. You know what I'm saying? That shut the room down. So the, all those questions, all of those those rooms that I had in the beginning of of Clubhouse birthed some of these beefs that we see on on Clubhouse right now. What I will say for me is I'm happy I'm not the one getting the credit for these beefs. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your rooms have been ran very positively, and you are a great moderator, so I could definitely co-sign on that for sure. But these questions that get the most popularity, like what did that tell you about where we're at right now as a society? Oh, I would say when it comes to society and where we are, I think that we are in a place where people are afraid to ask what they really think. They're afraid to say what they really feel. And instead of people airing out on, and having that conversation, because I believe that having hard conversations creates understanding. That was my basically was my um, my purpose when I first started having the, um, the conversations was to create understandings and to create understandings and bring bring unity to communities, especially with different communities. We did, you know, it happened like during the middle of Corona and all of that. Um, everybody was confused. It was we was going through stuff that we never went through ever in life. And the last thing that we need to be separating us is race and you know all the other bull crap that's separating us. But I also felt like if we don't talk about the stuff that bothers us with, if we don't ask the hard questions, we never gonna go nowhere. We gonna always have some type of underlying resentment. It's gonna always be some little underlying questions, no trust, and so on and so forth. I think that the biggest thing that needs to happen to our country, or happen in our country, and specifically in America, is for us to finally did all this white versus black. Shit. I think that's doing more hurting than helping, personally. 
and it's not necessarily because, yes, I know that there are racist people out here, and some of them are in positions of power and all of that type of stuff. I agree. I know that that is true. It's a fact. I get that. Um, I just think that instead of us focusing so much on, quote-unquote, the isms or the, the racists or the um, whatever the, the, the terms are for different, you know, the different types of horrible that's going on yeah. or horrible people that's out here, yeah. I think that good people need to focus on fighting evil. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about the isms. It's about evil. It's about good and bad. And I think that we can get to that point of being able to identify individuals can identify who they are whether you're a good person or a bad person I think that that would be a better fight a a clearer fight the fight that we're fighting now you got bad people that can be able to say oh you racist you are evil you know what I'm saying like you're over there with them (laughs) you know what I mean we need both of y'all gone like we don't need you to right (laughs) right you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. And, and some people might say that the way that I think is just completely crazy. And uh, it, it is what it is. But I currently feel like the, what's happening now is just not working. And some of those rooms that we had, it was just clear proof. It also was proof at how damaged just our community is black people. Like, a lot of our rooms expose that. Like, Clubhouse exposes how damaged the black community is at the end of the day. And whatever we doing now, I personally don't think that it's working. I think that I'm not saying that we need to throw everything away or whatever. I don't know what the answer is. Um, I don't feel like I, I feel like we in a pickle. <laughs> That's what it is. We in a pickle. But definitely Clubhouse shows like just especially for us. I don't see white people starting rooms some of these white like white women starting I hate white men and white men ain't this and Blah, 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 blah. Or, or white men started. These white women out here, I don't see none of that. Like, it's only us on here doing that type of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, this to me shows how damaged our community is. And how do we fix that? Yeah. That's what we're focusing on the mental health of our community. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of that type of stuff. Not, not making people um, fold to someone's trauma. I think that that's I think that's wrong. I think I don't think that we should make law like we could, we got to get people to heal from their trauma, not just let them stay in their trauma and then we change everything around their trauma. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, you know, as as a people we really have suffered from a lot of trauma and systematic oppression and that's a whole another conversation that we can get into another time, but it's really about looking forward. What can we do moving forward to change the narrative and to change the dynamic between what's happening? It's not about black women versus black men, light skin versus dark skin, white people versus black people. It's really just like you said, it's good against evil. At the end of the day, that's really what the real fight is for all of us. Good against evil. And I think most importantly, I believe it's just important to be a light in the room. Yep. For starters. Okay. That's the hardest thing for people to do sometimes, though. But yeah, I uh, 100% agree. So that does it for another episode of the First Fridays podcast with my guest, Whole Live. I thank you so much for joining me. So tell everybody where we can find you. Thank you so much for having me. And shout out to everybody that's out there that listened and 
and you enjoyed the conversation, even if you didn't enjoy the conversation and you just and you just here to support the queen, I definitely see much support out here from our especially from our people as possible. So anybody that's out here and they just want to support people that's trying to do great things out here, I rock with y'all a long way. Um, if y'all want to follow me on any platform, I know y'all don't. I know she don't want me to say, so it's gonna be blurred out. But literally on every platform is whole live good. Whole live N word on all the social media platforms. Can we say that? Can the Christians say whole live nigga? The black Christians can, yeah. All right, just the black ones. <laughs> All right. So that does it for another episode of the First Fridays podcast. I'm your host. I know you want to call me a queen, but it's the goddess MC, Ali Dunn. Shout out to the SoundCloud listeners and thegodcollection.com. And we out. <laughs>